Hello everyone and welcome to Charged. Charged is an exciting collection of multimedia resources for the African and international creative economy. It is curated and produced by HIVA, Africa's first dedicated creative economy finance, business support and knowledge facility. We, the HIVA team, are thrilled to welcome you into a space where you will enjoy learning and engaging directly about the creative and cultural space. Charged will feature input from our wide community of creatives, business owners, investors, policymakers, and others. We are certain that you will pick up on something to help you along your creative business's journey, wherever you may be. This project is enabled by the Innovative Financing Initiative for Culture, IFIC, and we are grateful for the support of our sponsors, the EU Commission and the French Development Agency, AFD. The resources of Charged include audio and video interviews, short clips, articles, and more. We're super happy to welcome you to one today. Do let us know what you think on our social media channels using the hashtag Charged. We are at Hiva Fund on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For now, sit back and enjoy. Harriet, it's really, really wonderful to have you here with Thank us. Thank you. Um, and 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 of course, um, Har- Harriet's Botanicals has really, really been making necessary and essential waves um, in Kenya because of the the kind of the kind of um, gaps that it's able to bridge. The ways in which um, you guys, your customer care, and the results of the traditional remedies that you're preparing and 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 distributing are having among you know their target audience. Okay. Um, and and it's it's really it's really amazing that you've been able to give us a little bit of time to talk about um, the ways in which your business has grown and how getting a grant has worked for you. Okay. Um, but it would be great for the audience to hear from you exactly. Um, what is your name? What exactly do you do? And how did you get into doing this particular work? Okay, so my name is Harriet, uh, Harriet Chebet Ngok, and um, I am the founder stroke CEO of Harriet's Botanicals. And literally, I, I got into this. It's, 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 it's a company that actually retails Mitishamba that is at the moment sourced mainly from the Rift Valley mm-hmm. and places like the Mao Forest or those types of forests, even the Abadez, as long as you have a similar type of forest. We also source from dryland forests because we come, we come, we've put together like a formulation from different practitioners depending on which we thought was most effective. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's, you know, what we call mitidawa or traditional medicine, indigenous medicine, where what we call an apothecary, you know, that w- would be a good terminology to use mm-hmm. if you were in, in, in Europe, for instance. And ours is just natural medicine. So what we are trying to do really is take the medicine that has been used traditionally over thousands of years, yeah. all these secret formulas, and bring them to an urban and diaspora audience because a lot of us don't have access to them anymore. Yeah. So like, let's say if you were... You know, 80 years ago, if you felt sick or you were feeling a certain way about something, somebody would give you a herb or somebody would point to a tree or like a bush or a root. And that would be your medicine. Mm. We didn't have modern medicine as we know it mm-hmm. today. So um, my focus has really been um, the this when I say the urban market. Um, for me, I suffer from a condition called endometriosis, even though I'm asymptomatic. Yeah. So you see, I've been a concussionist all my life mm-hmm. trying to solve this problem. Mm-hmm. Um, since my period has been very painful or was very painful from when I was 14, mm-hmm. even in high school. Yeah. You know, there's always that one girl in the class 
who has a terrible period yeah. and it was me mm. for that for, for my high school years yeah, yeah. so I've, i was always like on evening evening primrose or this supplement because people will tell you all kinds of things right now we google trying to find information how can we help yeah. and having been through the gamut of like allopathic medication going through surgery multiple and doctors multiple doctors and being told so many different things that people will put you on the pill yeah. you know to like either kill your period or yeah. something some as i was telling you will even induce menopause yes. as they treat things like endometriosis yes. you get to a point in your life where you need a solution that works and preferably let it be natural yeah. because you still want to retain your capabilities in terms of fertility and creativity mm. now a fertility is extremely important for 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 me and creativity not because people may want to procreate mm. but because being fertile and being create being fertile and creativity go together T- typically if you're fertile it also means you can birth your own projects mm. so i always tell um mm, women and men in the sense that you know don't it's it's almost like somebody's taken away your hand right but because it's not visible to the naked eye yeah. you think it's okay that it's okay to be infertile mm. but actually all that even a hormonal imbalance has an has an effect on your mind you know on how you feel mm. on your mood mm-hmm. and resultantly on yeah. your relationships on your finances right so i mean for me i wanted people to have that to have that awesome impact like wow i feel so good i'm so energized oh i'm so happy my mood is incredible mm. oh my this these are my fertile days i mean my libido is so high mm. i just walk around feeling good mm. because it translates into every element of your life right and that's why i say to people our dawas are transformative mm. that's that is exactly what i mean that's really interesting when you point out that um that and then when you look at it coming from the other side that infertility can be a sign of a hormonal imbalance which yes. is actually affecting your life in multiple other ways absolutely mm. even if you think about our male product because some people talk about erectile dysfunction and they think it's funny yeah. they just think that this person has this problem that is to do with them yeah. but there's such a big link with uh, that ed with heart problems yeah. with diabetes and other illnesses yeah. or even like um, or even just stress you know yes stress mm. and uh, pressure and yeah. lack of sleep yeah or like unmet expectations it's very i mean it's it's really tricky and, and 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 i'm really glad to be having this conversation with you because i have a health background okay and um and and the other thing that a lot of people don't talk about is that younger and younger men Absolutely. are having to use um are finding themselves having to use you know erectile dysfunction medicine yes and nobody is really kind of studying to find out what exactly is going on yes. what is what is the root what is the root idea behind being a 20 year old who ideally is approaching a sexual peak absolutely if they've not already arrived at it yes. and feeling like they need the same viagra that somebody who's 60 needs absolutely you in know. fact most of our clients for ed are young young people mm. young men in their mm. 20s yep young recently married men mm. and a lot of them are struggling because either they overused viagra yeah. when they were in university mm-hmm. or they overused steroids or maybe overuse of drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. or just general stress yeah general stress yeah. so there's we we are seeing a lot of those kind of people and it's very interesting if you go to the village yeah. the young men are very you know virile like that's their problem is not ed it is not mm. no, no no their problem is you know they they can have too many kids yeah <laughs> here it's the exact opposite right and now with depression yeah 
coming up yeah. you know in the urban areas and yeah. becoming common yeah. there's such a link between the fact that if down there isn't working mm. what else is not working mm. so that's that's sort of like you know the the whole mind body spirit link mm. that we we want to kind of like bring out a little bit more mm. so you know um in the west for instance you know mind body spirit everybody thinks it's connected of course yeah. if you if you're healthy you feel good there's a connection there's a mental connection yes you know if you're if your blood is flowing well and mm. you drink enough water and you exercise yeah. it has you know you have mental clarity yeah. maybe you have vision mm. but over here it's not really spoken about that way yeah you know but and then in the village it's taken for granted yeah you know you're healthy you walk around you drink you you, you eat good food mm. good home food mm. you know you feel strong yeah. even in your 60s your 70s your 80s mm. it's just taken for granted yeah. but this is what we want to bring back mm. for africans mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um could you t- talk to us about the journey of harriet's botanicals um when you started because like you were concocting all for yourself but then there's a there's a there's a jump between concocting things for yourself and then deciding that i want to concoct them not just for myself but for others like me and then even wider wider ranges of products for more people um yes. and so what has that journey been like for you um and 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 yeah essentially okay so for me i was concocting for myself yeah. and um for my best friend was on her way to a hysterectomy mm-hmm. so i had this friend who every time i concocted i'd have one for me one for her right. right and then she'd give me some feedback oh it's better and she just kept coming back every mm-hmm. month she'd show up to get some of her, her dowel, bottle mm-hmm. right and for that we were just treating pain yeah. so i'd say that my pain had gone to 50% and this was way back i think in 2014 wow you know way back i was just happy to just like manage my pain yeah When this particular product showed up and I, and I gave her she was on her way to a hysterectomy. Right. And her siblings two of them had had hysterectomies. Right. And that's why I was like please don't do it. Yes. Just try this. Mm. And at the time she said the kind of sh- chunks and chunks of like mud like mm. mud like blood was coming out. Yeah. yeah. And she said she was losing so much blood she was anemic she almost fainted. Oh my god. And the doctor was like we've just got to take out your uterus. Yeah. And that time I didn't know much about that. Mm. All I knew was I feel pain during my period. Yeah. I didn't know much about hysterectomies or any other type of surgery. Yeah. So it was just a suggestion. Then what then happened is both of us were losing weight because mm-hmm. of this product and really beginning to look young. Mm. So somebody mentioned in our class group, "Hey, Kwani, what are these two <laughs> taking? What's up with these two youngies?" Yeah. And then I think she blurted it out. Ah, tell her to give you our rate. And I'm telling you that month was crazy. What? On that WhatsApp group. You went from two people to exponential. Yes, it was me and her. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was I was bottling them in like 2 liter Fanta bottles. Right. So I don't even drink Fanta, but I'd go buy Fanta and mm. be like, "Who do I give this this soda to?" Yeah. I bottle them and from the house I boil mm. <laughs> in a sufuria. Yeah. And then like the demand was growing and growing and growing. And the same group was now telling me, "We need for men. We need this." Then they're giving me feedback. It also does this. It also does this. Say it also. I'm like, "How do you know it does that?" Well, it did it for me. Wow. Even the libido effect, I didn't know. Yeah. Until everybody started talking about it in that same group. You know for Africans to talk about libido in public, that's a big deal. Yes, yes. Yeah. You know, for women to say, "Eh, hey. yeah, especially women." <laughs> yeah, this thing is a bit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Then there was now a code. Right. If you're if you're getting that effect, you you put it in the group and say, "Oh, you know, I've got the Aurora effect." <laughs> <laughs> I love that it's called the Aurora you know? effect. Yeah. Okay. And all these women are in there. I mean, we're now in our late 40s. Yeah. So for me because uh, my friend had fibroids, mm. so I thought, "Oh, great. This product is for women over a certain age who have fibroids." and pain mm. i was only solving two problems yeah pain and fibroids yeah 
Wait, everybody started giving it to their sister, their who, their cousin, their daughter. Because mm. a lot of these people now started giving 21-year-old girls who have extreme play, pain, mm. 18-year-old girls who just like are laid out for two weeks. Yeah. They're giving them my product. In wow. fact, they're buying it and sharing. Yeah. Sharing it out in another container. Yeah. And that's when now it's just went it just went crazy that's amazing you know yeah and at that time i thought i was so amazing i was selling like 40 bottles a month i thought i was so amazing i was like wow this is so good yeah then i went to 80 bottles a month i was like oh then heva came along yeah and then with time when i did the grant and i went now to the village yeah and the fact that we were able to show sort of like now bring it back bring Mm. it back home to the cultural practitioners yeah and like within when COVID started, my business just went. Psh. What? Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. So now I, I'm like, how did I live on eighty bottles a month? But it was still good money. I could fuel my car. Yeah. In fact, I was doing consulting. Yeah. So I was using this dower. Yes. To fuel because you get paid like much later yes. when you've done consulting work. Yes. So for me, I always had like a bit of money. I always had money. And, it was, and so it was like this dawa was like your side hustle. Yes. And I, then, I just thought this is just something that I do. Yeah. Just to make sure that I can fill my car. I can have a coffee very comfortably. I always have bundles. Mm. If I need to pay the Wi-Fi, I pay the Wi-Fi. Then suddenly now the dawa took over. Right. Suddenly consulting money looked very little. Mm. I was like, what? You mean I'm spending all this time doing this? Yeah. When this is actually what's supporting it. Right. And that's when I was like, I'm done. I'm going full time for this. Let's talk about how, and I guess I think this was like later on in the list, but yeah. it's come up now. Yeah. Let's talk about how it is that your business did well during COVID. Yeah. And especially like stratospherically well, because yes. that's not the experience for the vast for majority everybody of business else. owners, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. In fact, funny enough, now as they reduce, as they as the restrictions are removed, yeah. My sales are stabilizing. Easy. Which is annoying me. Mm. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> so I, I was, it's very strange that I was actually in Bomet at the time because I was in the lockdown. Right. So I didn't know what was going on. Mm. But the minute the government announced it was March, mm. then there was the idea that this thing is going on. Yeah. April, yeah. they started shutting down. Yes. May was crazy. The business was just like, poof. Wow. And that's when now we were all working from home. Yeah. But we were moving bottles of dawa around this city yeah. like contraband. Wow. You know, we're just like, we need 100 bottles. The next day, we need 100 bottles. We need 100 bottles. And I was in Bomet coordinating. Yeah. Do this, buy mm. this, do this. That's, mm. And I was like, what's going on? Mm. So then I went to Kericho. And I, I now went to look at my corporate account. Because, yeah. you know, from your phone, you can't know what's going on. Yes. And I, to, I said, I want to check my balance. And the woman gave me my... I was like, can you go back and find this out? Can't be <laughs> this can't <is> my <laughs> Excuse me, but you've given me the wrong account. Yeah. She came back and I was like, what? Sales are crazy. Mm. And that was like now May, June, July, August. Our sales were like, wow. What? September, October. It was too much. So then we started now really building a team. Mm. Right. And that was last year. Right. We now started saying a team, mm. structures. Mm-hmm. Then the whole thing of distribution. Yeah. Because if you're in Eldoret, yeah. you don't want to hear that Nairobi is sending you a bottle. You want to get it in Eldoret. Yes, you do. You know, so now beginning to understand the retail space. Yes. Now, you see now, are we retail? Are we distributors? Are we... Because I used to... People used to, people used to ask me, what exactly are you? I say, I'm a traditional... I'm a Miti Shambares. Yes. And they're like, no, you're a retailer. Yeah. So, you know, like thinking, which hat mm. do I wear yeah. in, in all this? Yeah. So for us, it's as if, especially once, you know, people got so scared, I think, of dying or mm. of being unwell in a way that they didn't understand. Yeah. They, went, they just went straight for traditional medicine. 
I think COVID built traditional medicine. And I think maybe there's there's also a there's also a thing to f- to say there about like the kind of comfort people derive from things that are familiar to them. Exactly. You know. Yeah. As opposed to like going to a doctor and being told, "Oh, go and take this random thing from a random box." Yes. Um, because you, you see, COVID is very it's foreign. Yeah. It's not the same as having pneumonia. No. And you know, it's tried and tested. Every so people have had pneumonia. And I mean, even to be fair, even though COVID is a pneumonia, but that's yes. not how people understand it. Yes. Yeah. And that's not how people imagine that it's they just think you're going to be somewhere in isolation so they are so scared of the unknown Mm. that they quickly reach for the known yes and the known includes things that are from the shamba you know like rabonic or sweet potatoes or yams or managu and sagets and like oh why do i eat you know why do i eat chicken like fried chicken i should be having my kienyeji chicken yeah and you see, Miti Shamba represents home. Mm. So for me, I really wanted to bring that experience. Like, if you can't get to your grandma yeah. in Vihiga yeah. or in Kakamega or in Asembo mm. or in Kericho, yeah. you can get the dawa here. Mm. So that was my initial idea yeah. to bring all the Miti Shamba to cities yeah. and then distribute it yeah. type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, there's a way in which, um, and, and it's really great that you've brought it up, this, this, this body of knowledge. Uh-huh. Um, and you've, you've illustrated so well that there's truly been a gap in the ways in which especially people in cities don't have access yes. to this kind of knowledge and so what do you think we need to start doing so that people are more aware about um, the ways in which traditional medicine can be really useful for them in different ways in different in, di- in the different spaces that they are especially when you started life you're distant from this knowledge because maybe you were eight for Ford you know you went straight into formal education yes. you moved straight into a city so you didn't necessarily have the village experience of being a little bit closer to these medicines absolutely than people who grew up in a, in a more rural context okay so i mean yes for me for instance i was eight for four i was born in nairobi yeah i'm a proper nairobian i speak better sheng than kalenjin yeah type of thing when i go home and i talk a bit of kalenjin everybody laughs at me yeah they're just like so, no this, yeah, is, like, this, this isn't is a joke <laughs> you know, the, the kids are always waiting to hear me say something yeah. so they can laugh yeah so what I found so intriguing was, first of all, the names of the plants, because everybody knows them. Yeah. You know, if you're walking with like 10 kids, they'll just be yelling, Aroruit, Sagawaita. As they walk, they yell the names of the trees. Yeah. Or of the bushes, right? Yeah. So I got so intrigued, like, I don't know them. So I was determined to, first of all, maintain the names. Mm. So I just go around asking people, what is this plant? Then I just write it down in yeah. my broken calendar or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I'd write it down, I'd think about it. Then I said, what does it really do? Mm. And what, what I must say, a formal education helped me to translate it. Right. Because even people ask me, what is endometriosis in Kipsigis? Yes. You know? What, what is it exactly like? What, dis- what are these diseases? Because if you go back and ask the mamas, a question has come up about follicles yes how do you explain follicles in to in, the mamas in kalenji yeah yes then they'll tell you ah mbia uye tu akunywa dawa wacha kusumbua kunywa dawa i was like that's not a good answer but thanks yeah and then i'd go and translate it to my customer customer service yeah because i'd be like okay follicles are this and this and this is what's happening in your body and there's inflammation in this so there's a direct translation because now we actually have translated our products into other languages into luya wow. luo obviously kiswahili yeah we're doing meru we're doing kisi we've done kikuyu yeah and kamba yeah and we're in all these vernacular stations. That's amazing. So m- my idea is that it must it must travel to everybody. Mm. And the only way we can do that is now to translate it. So now we have like even like um, a Kalenjin four minute thing talking about these illnesses, adenomyosis, PCOS in Kalenjin. In Kalenjin. So people are like, oh yes, that's what I have. Oh, that's what it's called. Mm. Do you see talking about inflammation 
in the local language talking about like you know like fibroids uvim uvim uvimbi mm. things like that even in kiswahili yeah even talk saying endometriosis explaining exactly what mm. it is mm. so for me first is that direct translation yeah number two using using the cu- culture as a way of like um self-esteem building self-esteem building countrywide right sort of like you know as like psycho- having a positive psychological in- impact on everybody yeah because these are our natural resources yeah. right yeah and the only way we can grow them or even like monetize them mm. sustainably of course of course is if everybody's using them mm. if the whole world is using them mm. now if we change the names to english like you know you can call it sagawaita you can call it english knobwood mm. then it's kind of not really an african product no, anymore no it's it's it really stops being from Absolutely. home yeah it could be from england yeah you know it could be from even arorua it is cape ash and mm. I, i thought why was it called that if it's indigenous to already here? yes there's a problem yes because we're not dealing with capes here exactly yeah. there is no cape town here yeah or eastern cape or western cape yes so it's it for me it was very important that people some people said to me change the names because of bias because people people don't like this community i said that is exactly the problem mm. is that you don't have a positive experience of another community or you only hear negative things about or, or you don't have a positive experience of diverse cultures because exactly. i think we are a deeply traumatized people because yes. of all of the all Absolutely. of the political um conflict and yes. what have you that diversity in culture has brought but then what's the opposite of that exactly yeah so that if if the rendile for instance have a natural birth control whatever it is that yes. is so amazing yeah. that doesn't have any side effects i mean the fact that us in nairobi or whether in western kenya are now imbibing this product from rendile it yes. changes a lot mm. about our perspective yeah it does it's like it changes our minds it does it changes how we feel about that community yeah. and there are no longer those people in northeastern so it's also like it brings us all together mm. culture brings us all together mm. so traditional medicine is just one element of culture yeah and then the fact that we can now export it because i'm i'm very interested in growing an african company yeah. you know because i see other companies coming from out of out of the out coming from sweden everywhere yeah. korea india yeah. Yeah. they set up here yeah. then they grow these companies and yes. these companies are magnificent doing so well in africa yeah. what about african com- companies doing well in africa yes and mm. doing well abroad mm. can we take our medicine out there mm. can we take our ideas can we take pilau mm. like the way now west africans have taken jollof everywhere yes. Yes. we haven't taken pilau mm. or even mahamris mm. or something like that so mm. th- that was really kind of that is that is my vision my okay. wider vision okay mm-hmm. um what do you, you you've been you've been very intentional and i remember you talking about for instance um the kids walking and then naming the plants and yeah, whatever yeah. um and you're you're very intentional about making sure that your work is deeply interwoven with the communities that it comes from and that it's rooted in. Yeah. And so how do you as Harriet's Botanicals go about doing this um and what does including the community entail for okay. for HB? So for us, I mean the community is critical. Yeah. to sort of like it's we're a community are part and parcel of us. Because without the community we we don't really have anything to stand on. Yeah. Because the community has to say yes it works. Yeah. because they're using it they're the first users yeah, right yeah number two, they have to be bought into our idea if they think we're just exploiting them we go there we pay very little we exhaust the forest and we move on the community will turn against us yeah. negative sentiment will destroy the business mm. and we will not be able to grow mm. and we leave a bad taste in everybody everybody's mouth mm-hmm. so for us i have spent or we as a company have spent a lot of money on the community mm. in terms of buying feed stock yeah. and buying it at a good 
at a good price. Yeah. So we spend like per kilo, they get more from feedstock than they get from tea mm. or anything else, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of our sustainable, you know, harvesting programs, going out there and running something for a hundred thousand, spending a hundred thousand in like three days. Yeah. We're gonna go here, here. Everyone's gonna be a volunteer, but a paid volunteer. Yes. So every time we go, we spend money. Yeah. Number one, yeah. even just directly giving money because mm. it changes everything. It's yes. not saying we're going to give money to this NGO, yeah. which is then going to tell you do X, Y, Z. No, we say we're going to put money back in the hands of the community directly, so that they can completely understand the value of what they have mm. and they can be incentivized, yeah. right? Yeah. Then, of course, um, we renovated Litane Mission Hospital, uh-huh. especially um, the last bit we did was the mater- maternity ward yeah. because I felt like that's exactly what Arorwet is all about, mm. giving birth. Mm. So now that we've come up with the medicine, we want to make sure that the women have a place yes. that they can go and be attended to. Yes. So in terms of just making sure allopathic medicine is meeting traditional medicine, mm-hmm. also for research purposes, for raising awareness, for so that women are not like, people aren't hiding in the in the village with an illness, yes. feeling as if, oh my God, I can only take traditional medicine. Yeah. I really believe in the interplay mm. of, the, of the modern and of the ancient, yeah. right? Yeah. Then also, we of course, we're working on a school so I mean it's it's difficult to sort of just sum it up in in one short paragraph. Yeah. yeah. But we're completely intertwined intertwined with the community. We work with practitioners. Yeah. Talking to you know the elderly, the ones in their 80s and their 90s and recording them. Yeah. So that even if we don't um understand fully what they're saying, now we have a record. Mm. One day somebody can translate. Yeah. You know, one day it it is on there. And these records now, it's this is a digital world. You mm. can store it anywhere. You can give it to someone. You can send it in a WhatsApp. Mm. You're just transmitting. You can put it on a radio station. Yeah. You can put it on television. So in a sense, even though we are losing touch, we're, we are now gaining it in a new way. Of course. In this sort of like de- digitally empowered way. So that's those are some of the things that we do. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's 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 an interesting point that you've brought up with regard to um, this interesting interplay between um, proprietary information mm-hmm. and information that's public. So like yeah. for instance, in the community, people know already that Sagawaita treats respiratory yes. illness. Yeah. And then for you, you're packaging something that is yours. Exactly. But it doesn't fully belong to you. But your yes. formulation yeah. is proprietary. Yeah. So how did you go about kind of having this IP relationship that didn't see to take away from the community yeah. but was very intentional about protecting what you had developed with the knowledge that you'd gotten okay so the thing is um yeah we, the, the way community knowledge works traditional knowledge is yeah. that you can't stop people using that traditional medicine no right yeah it's like maybe now if you develop panadol you can't stop people some you can stop people somewhere developing their own panadol the exact panadol that you have developed yes yeah. it doesn't work with traditional knowledge no that's even why i use i let people know what it is yes right so that it's not a secret no you know and like if you went to the tree and you decided to boil from it you can probably generate something like it you can if you can absolutely you yeah. can yeah now the difference is what my fo- what is in my formulation because mm. you can gather the same exact eight trees yeah and your formulation will still be different from mine it's true that's all i'm saying yeah you can formulate you can do whatever you want but it cannot be my formulation yeah yeah which is a mix of different formulas from different practitioners Mm -hmm. so as at the same time i can't take a practitioner's formula yeah and make it mine no knowing very well that they don't have access to ip yes ip laws or the ip resources Mm -hmm. right because then that means i'm exploiting yeah practitioners yeah so i have to create my own thing yes so even the even the name for instance um we were able to patent like trademark the name Arorwit Harriet's Botanicals Arorwit 
but you can't just do arrow it by itself it's owned by the community it and is. it was even there before the community yeah so people ask or the question really is was the community there before or was a tree there before who owns who who owns what so traditional knowledge works like that at the same time we must monetize mm. so if people can come up with different formulations and protect because you can't grow your business is if everybody can replicate it no right no and you can if you can't grow your business you can't employ people you can't mm. export mm. there's a whole bunch of other things that are happening outside of the community mm. right mm. so outside of what's happening there the people here need it and they need something that is protected that is correctly formulated that is patented and that they know nobody's going to mess with the ingredients mm. yeah um so so we talked about earlier the fact that your business got a grant yes. right and how 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 important was it to you to be specific about what you needed when you were applying for the grant like what what is the thing that made you realize actually i should probably apply for this grant okay i mean for me the the grant when i came across it it completely suited exactly what i was doing mm-hmm. you know because i was in culture yeah right and then i had this formulation nobody else was doing traditional indigenous medicine like in that particular way no so for me it sort of like fit like a glove mm. now the the most the more important bit was which elements of the grant fit where mm. or what am i trying to develop within the business yeah. that fits in with this grant because mm-hmm. you have to be quite specific yes so for instance you might think that you want to do branding right but that particular grant is not about branding it could be about impact mm. you know mm-hmm. it could be about um infrastructure it could be just about ip mm. so you have to be quite specific in terms of understanding what is this grant about and more than usual the grant is usually not what it is that you're thinking is most important right perhaps you want to hire more people you know and maybe the grant is about feedstock so it's it's really just a, a skill that you gradually come into and depending on how badly you want that money mm-hmm. and how much it will do for you you mm-hmm. you will do the work mm-hmm. yeah so now for you what 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 are the what are the exact needs that you pinpointed and you said this is exactly where this money is going to go for me it was the community mm. because even if i'm selling bottles that money goes back into paying whoever is helping me distribute or you know helping me run the business but i didn't have money for community development right i didn't have money to sort of like jump in the car fuel it and stay in a hotel and then when i go to meet the community again i have to have the volunteers yes. if i'm meeting 40 people for yep. instance yep. then maybe each of them will get a thousand maybe we will have to have a meal for about 10,000 yeah. and there's other activities going on it's going to be an expensive venture maybe 80,000 that's the money i didn't have at that time yeah and you needed it of course i did yeah. yeah then i wanted to also document videos you know like you know get some photography at the time i was thinking we need to photograph all these trees mm. and like get an archive because this knowledge is disappearing right you know so how will i demonstrate or you know what is so important at this particular point which was the archiving mm-hmm. the cultural documentation yeah the interpretation the engaging with practitioners yeah. that was i couldn't afford to do it at the time yeah. and that's what heaver grant helped me to do mm-hmm. yes um when you when you when you were asked to demonstrate the kind of impact that you are that you are having uh-huh. um how are you able to kind of position yourself in that narrative of the, that direct social impact that you're having in the community so for me it was it was quite easy mm. because i was helping women yes in reproductive health right so now when you when you widen that demographic you're talking about 40% of women 
at some point i'm going to have, have a reproductive a repro- health yes. problem yes and you know whatever age it could be menopause yeah it could be you know they've just come into puberty and something is going on or yeah. they want to have a baby yeah. or something has gone wrong or, yeah you know or they're just in pain yes just dealing with pain alone because people are just always ignoring women's pain yes i mean even even for me i used to think my pain was just like no it's a joke oh my god you know what i mean it took yeah. me so long to recognize this is a serious mm, issue mm. and this is a medical issue right 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 so there's the whole thing of women number two practitioners who yeah. many of them are elderly yes. and like people who've sort of been discarded nobody thinks much of them they don't have a very strong formal education background many of them like quit school a lot they didn't even go to school many are the children of practitioners this information was passed on orally so they're not really valued by the community nobody respects them and because we have allopathic medicine people even call them witches wow you know they're like ah usiende kwa mchawi and then because it's all oral not documented not tested and and not like measured mm. then it's seen like you know it's it's all abracadabra yes so they get marginalized even for their intuitive knowledge yes you know you know the way they say women can tell you're pregnant yeah you know that sort of intuitive knowledge is now marginalized yeah. you know these women are witches they know i'm pregnant yeah type of thing yeah yeah so i found there was so much sort of discrimination against practitioners against women against the elderly yeah you know people just think ah oh, this person used to go around the forest people who can go into the forest those are rare breed now yeah, yeah. to go deep into the forest and find those herbs yeah they're very rare mm. but they're not respected no maybe somebody picking tea is respected more because because they can sell the tea and bring money home exactly yeah. or an ap mm. or a watchman yeah you know you can find the other day i met this pack practitioner one of the first i interacted with and he's like a, a watchman you know somewhere mm. in you know somewhere in gong mm. and i was shocked mm. because he has this root that is so powerful yeah and what was happening is i mean he's getting maybe what he considers good money 30,000 a month yeah. but for me i was like what this guy shouldn't be here no at the whole night guarding somebody he should be developing this yeah this this whole and because because of that marginalization yeah. his family derives more esteem from him having that job yeah. from the traditional medicine because it's because they can they can map directly it's our fees that are being paid by this watchman yes. job yeah yes then everything else is just like oh he treated like this woman came from Uganda he'll tell you the story this woman came she hadn't had children for 10 years she'd had six miscarriages sasa ibumwangale in fact sasa yuko hapo tuko nje you just find a, pre- a six month pregnant woman what? he's talking about her so casually yeah. alafu mwingine alitumwa na sister yake sijui alikuwa Tanzania aliambiwa kutoka South Africa he tells you these incredible stories you know ah nikamwambia tu anipatie 5000 ah huyo tu nikamwambia anipatie 2000 nipatie 2000 niende kwa mstuni nilete your dawa yeah So you know you can see it's like so it's um it's magical. For yeah. me it was magic. Yeah. Just sitting there listening to him. Mm. And in my mind was just like wow 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 wow. And then he told me nikuwekea kilo ngapi mbili? Atuli put 100 kilos. Mm. <laughs> he was like hey wewe ni mwenda wazimu kidogo. Okay. 20,000. Niko nayo pesa hapa. Give me that. I told him give me that thing I'm going to find out more. Mm. Type of thing. Yeah. So you know that's really the element of impact mm. you know how much more can you impact certain generation who have so much knowledge yeah. but by making them useful to society again in the context of giving that exact knowledge that they have exactly mm. exactly okay mm-hmm. okay um with regard to because because again 
the, the thing that you've been saying where like people didn't know the capacities of the knowledges that they had yeah um and you're able to and you and the, there's things that you're able to give back to them in that regard yeah so how has harriet's botanicals been able to tell these people how deeply valuable the knowledges they have the access to natural resources and the ways they use these natural resources sustainably and yeah. especially with regard to sustainability because it would be very easy to just realize oh people are coming for a red so let's yes, you know yeah. but then like that all of that and finding a balance between all of those knowledges having this knowledge using it responsibly um what what kind of conversation does hb have with the community directly for those okay. reasons yeah. so we run these community engagement sessions because there was a time everybody was cutting their tendwich tree yeah for me mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. people who didn't know me they just heard about me yeah and then they would just come to the village and ask wapi wapi and there'd be people coming in motorcycles and donkeys donkeys carrying tend weight like wood wow and you're not supposed to harvest traditional medicine like that you're no. not supposed to cut down the tree no. you know no. you're supposed to like just take some of the the top branches mm. and make sure that it renews itself yes like so you watch was, the tree to make sure it's growing again before you cut course, again of course it, it was a serious crisis yeah and according to the mamas it's that's why traditional medicine is secret yes because they said umetaja jina yeah that's a mistake yeah so what on ajua people who are not practitioners know no. but i tell them if you don't tell people what this is yeah you cannot help a lot of people mm. this secret this secret kind of like way that you hide all this information is the reason the practice is dying yeah and because people don't respect that methodology anymore yeah. they'll go to like medical journals and read about other medication yeah then they will ignore you and they will not spend money in the right places yeah and then you spend money on you exactly yeah you end up giving up this forest for firewood yeah when you can't make money off your tendwit you cut it down for 8000 shillings yeah I'm like one tendwit is worth like a million shillings, mm-hmm. right? So these are some of the conversations that we are having all the time. Yeah. We take our kiosk with us so that you can show and we take bottles of dawa as well and then we we give them out. Mm. So then we want to be able to show this is what you got out of your farm. Yeah. This is the product. Yeah. And this is what the shop looks like then they can see the branding mm. and they're like ah ni kampuni yao kweli. If they like ni kama safaricom. that's amazing yes so you see being able to show then I said that's it don't lose your resource Mm. keep growing traditional indigenous trees Mm. don't start now oh someone came and said we grow this instead cut all this tendwit I know there was one time somebody went and cut like 50 mature tendwit to grow avocado I was so stressed oh my gosh then you find them now making bricks yeah with the wood with mm. tendwit i'm like what have you done <laughs> you know mm. i'm like no 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 that is so wrong mm. what you have just done mm. because one tendwit could pay for your children to go to school for a whole entire year it could yes it yeah. could and then you can slow down because the same people now don't have to do they don't have to destroy the forest they don't have to be they are following the avocados to make sure they grow yeah they don't yeah i mean but even the only way you can preserve mm. the the forest like mount forest abadeas yeah. is if they are getting something of value yeah. but at the same time encouraged to keep it yes right so how else you know i, I see the eu and everybody else trying to tell people don't cut the forest to plant potatoes i'm like well the one way you can do it is show them the value yeah 
for them yeah in those trees yeah and i'm telling you you won't have to say it again no because yeah. people need to see value yes yeah if they see no value they're like what do you mean you're sitting you're in just, Nairobi. You're, yeah you're just talking from an office yes, absolutely yeah but if they know this particular tree or this particular root mm. it can even be exported mm. and this is what we get yeah you know as a community oh this is who it's helping this deals with endometriosis this deals with miscarriages yeah. this deals with what yeah that forest will be there forever. Yeah. Because that's one thing my mother said to me. I said, won't we finish the trees? She said, have you noticed they're not finished? Mm. You know, she's like, they've been here. They're not going to be, they're going to outlive you, Harriet. Mm. I was like, seriously, told me, this forest will outlive you. Mm. And now I understand what it is that she meant. Yeah. Yes. Um, let's talk about now, once once you got the grant and then the process of um, the grant being managed and what have you, because sometimes people forget that grant money doesn't just come and then everybody says goodbye. Exactly. So usually there's like a grant management process there's a way that you have to kind of show that okay this is what the grand money is doing um etc um so what was that process like for you did you meet any challenges um in that process were there things that you would rather not have done but you did them because it was it was it was for the purposes of the grant um and please feel free to say because even okay. us we are very aware on okay, the okay, okay. side that these things are challenging you know yes yeah i mean f- I because mean, grants me- are deeply conditional Yes, they, they are. are. They, they are. and they have they to be. Yes, you know? yes. Yeah. I mean, I think what a lot of people fail to understand, even people who say, "Let's apply for a grant for this." Let's yeah. then I'm like, "No, but it doesn't work like that." Mm. And I don't want a grant that makes me do something I don't think I should be doing yeah. for the sake of receiving money. Yeah. And I always tell people that money isn't ours. Mm. You know? Whatever amount it could be, uh, let's say let's use a metaphorical figure. A million shillings comes into the business right. for a grant. Right. Trust me. That million shillings, if you utilize it correctly, yeah. it is for that purpose. And it's really well thought through. Mm. It's not too much, it's not too little, yeah. right? Yeah. So you have to be very clear on how you're going to use your time. Mm. Because time is money. Yeah. You could be in the business making money, mm. but you have to administer this grant. You have yeah. to you have to give out the money. Yeah. Then you have to account for it. Yeah. And then it has to have meaning it has to do something you can't just give it out and it does nothing yes it's just money is just hanging somewhere yeah somebody's having a good time yeah. but they don't do the work yeah so really when you apply for a grant you're you're actually applying for work mm. you are and a lot of responsibility mm. right and it's literally accounting for that money making sure it goes in the right direction making sure the project works mm. because sometimes you receive money and it's just so overwhelming mm. you don't know what's going on and the project fails yeah then what would you have been the point yeah. you have to be very clear with what your goals are how you're going to allocate your time mm. how you're going to allocate your team's time yeah. and you're going to actually work double dub- doubly harder than when you didn't have it mm-hmm. then of course you've got to do the accounting process to the people who gave you the money yeah because they they don't live in your in your factory yeah. or in your environment to understand what you are going through with this person or this organization or this cbo which didn't do their work or these people who turned up five days late they don't mm. so you have to really understand how you're going to communicate yeah so communicating back mm. is critical yeah and if you're having challenges just state them early yeah you know just say I wouldn't be able to do this. I'm really sorry. Yeah. And this is how I'm going to mitigate that. Yeah. So there's a lot of like um you see you're now playing the role of managing the grant yeah. but managing your relationship with the grantors yes. as well. Yes. And then after that you have to write the report. Yeah. And the report will annoy the hell out of you. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you know, it's You'll true. Be like, They'll be like, list 100 beneficiaries. You'll be like, oh my God, I, I didn't even take their phone numbers. Who, who are they? I say, oh, there was Rachel in Capletundo. There was, I'm like, why didn't I write down their full names? Mm. But now you'll know, you'll, when you when somebody checks in, yeah. community engagement, full name, mm. their age, mm. gender, 
you're not being very specific and who are they or they're a practitioner yeah and where have they come from blah 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 yeah so sort of experience teaches you to start putting together your information early mm. right otherwise you're just going to be in a hot mess at the end you yeah. will get it done yeah but it'll stress you out mm. but then then you begin to now understand how grantors are thinking because yeah. then they're like look we gave you the money yeah who did you impact yeah you can't just say that you went to you know sigilai village yeah and women were happy yeah no they're like which women mm. and you'd be like oh well look these 300 of them mm. i have them on an excel spreadsheet mm. with their phone number so you can contact them yeah. to double check yeah. and then now you start learning to sort of like go over and above because you do want future grant money yes. you're going to need money to do another project yes. so you better be very clean on this one mm. type of thing mm. don't, don't take any shortcuts yeah. i find people find it very easy to say well if they gave me a million what if i just take 200,000 and pay my car off you're making a big mistake mm. i'm telling you mm. because you need that 200,000 to complete that grant mm. so there's so much like misinformation people hear the grant they think it's free money there is no such thing mm. type of thing mm. Mm-hmm. I mean even money from your family is not going to be free. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And once you understand that then you will be more intentional mm. and more focused mm. on okay fine the money is coming by this time we must have done this. No messing around, no thinking that we are so special now, you know, no like oh my god we're going to celebrate nothing like that like let's get it done. Yeah. Type of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um what are your plans and I guess we're kind of winding up now. What are your plans for 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 Harriet's Botanicals with regards to um looking for future grant money? Are, are you clear about if I got future grant money this is exactly what I would do with yes, it? Yes, yes, yes. Um and 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 what are your growth plans in general? Okay, if I got cuz I'm if I got grant money and I am applying mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. because I want to do um expansion of the shops of the retail outlets. Yeah. I really feel we need proper retail presence and when I see companies like Vivo or companies like Safaricom I notice they have a retail presence mm. in key cities. Yes. In Kisumu, in Mombasa, in Nakuru, in Eldoret, somewhere in Northeastern, yeah. maybe in Meru, maybe in Nyeri. Yeah. So I've, I came to understand this is important because in as much as you think you're somewhere in CBD getting to people, people feel that you're not reaching them. Yeah. You have to get to the people. That's one I want to expand in East Africa so we can also have this cultural exchange because like Eritrea yeah. has so much incredible traditional medicine. Yeah. So I really believe even Rwanda. Mm. I mean DRC is unbelievable Tanzania. So I feel that if we have a presence as Mitishamba from Kenya, yeah. we can have that exchange of information, Absolutely. develop more products and their products can come here. Yeah. So then we end up creating this like pan-African sort of like traditional Apothecary. medicine. Apothecary. Exactly. Yeah. So that if you want medicine that's you know I heard that there's this root from Tanzania which does it well we have it here in Kigali do you see oh I was in Addis and I bought something that is actually from Cameroon yeah and it's well packaged it's well resourced mm. it's well researched it's well thought through mm. and I can always go back if I feel like it did something crazy to me I will find that person yeah. there's a phone number they're on they're on the internet there's a website yeah You see what I mean? Yeah. It's traceable, it's trackable. Mm. So then we can say people are not being poisoned somewhere. Yeah. You know like you don't have this concoction of things that is killing people somewhere. Yeah. So you know traceability, you know scale, expansion, yeah. You know that cultural exchange, then it's like it stimulates economic growth Absolutely. because this thing is ours. Yeah. You know, it will grow again. Yeah. The trees and the shrubs will grow again. Mm. It's not like we go and harvest a whole mountain of gold yeah. and the gold is done. Yeah. And it's like that's it. Yeah. But this is really serious sustainable work and lots of people can get into it. 
And the more we develop our research capacity, our retail capacity, then now we have people who are trained in a specific way and we develop like um, a very unique skill set that is uniquely African. Yeah. Right. And then now we're competing on a global platform. Yes. Just like the people who prescribe Chinese medicine. Yep. Somebody who gives you Don Kwai in Chinatown. Yep. Now you're going to give them, you know, Aroruet. Yes, you in, will. In, in Johannesburg. You're mm. in Johannesburg mm. and you're a retailer yep. of something from Rwanda. Yeah. That is actually going to the US. Mm. So, I mean, for me, that's really the broader picture. Yeah. It's part of sort of what I call my Africa Rising Initiative. Mm. The African Renaissance is here and mm. wear it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, that's you. amazing. Um, I think I think I think what's been what's been so beautiful is 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 just kind of seeing how how much need there is. Yeah. Um on on and 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 while while phrases like on the ground are overused these days, um, yeah. but how much need there is literally in people's lives. Oh, yes. Um the help gaps. That, the, oh, that yeah. are there um, and the and the possibilities because there's so much stuff that's just been kept quiet for multiple absolutely, reasons absolutely. and that it's very possible to have the kind of relationship with 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 these natural resources and with yes. their with their um, with their stakeholders with their custodians that is a sustainable and ethical yes, relationship absolutely. it doesn't have to be like this violent capitalist extraction it doesn't that then um, somebody comes and then now that route is no longer there exactly because somebody came and cleared the whole forest in the name of storing so that they can be the sole proprietor of X and Y and Z. Mm. Because that's the thing. Traditional knowledge belongs to all of us. It does. The forest is our mother. Yeah. If you live next to Kakamega Forest, I can't stop you going in there. No. Learning about the herbs, using some of them for yourself and your family. And selling them. selling some. Yeah. You know, so it's like stimulating sort of like a very open open platform type economy mm. and a circular economy at that yeah you know like so, a commons absolutely and mm. it, when you talk about the need yeah people ask me do you have anything for high blood pressure do you have anything for rheumatoid arthritis? and i have to say no and people get surprised that i say no yeah i think they think i should say of course i do yeah of course i do i think people are used to being scammed in this eh? kind of way Okay, I think so. Yeah. Because I think I should be able to... I said, no, I've actually only developed three products mm. and it's taken me three years <laughs> to develop those ones. So I'm like, give me a few more years. Yeah. I will develop others depending mm. on the resources I have, yeah. even in terms of time. Yeah. But there's no way I'm going to say have a one-size-fits-all approach. Yeah. Which, which is why we need the cultural exchange yes. even with other people. Yes. If somebody else develops something for rheumatoid arthritis, cool. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I will buy the product. Because you can't, you can't honestly say that you will develop everything for every single Disease. You can't. Yeah. And that is then now that whole thing of unity. We need each other. Yeah. And we need the different communities. Absolutely. You know, the different pantheons of herbs, the different mm. combinations, the different mm. formulas, the different mm. experiences, mm. the different knowledge that is stored in all the wazes and the mamas. Yeah. When you put it all together, it's just unbelievable. It'll be magic. Yes. Absolute magic. Absolute magic. Yeah. <laughs> so this has been a lovely conversation. I'm Thank so you. excited. I'm Thank really, you. really excited for Harriet's Botanicals. Um, Thank you. And we'll definitely we'll definitely be continuing, first of all, to push your product because it works. Thank you. And also products push themselves when they work. Absolutely. Like you don't have to be standing shouting that our red works Absolutely. When, when the people are shouting for you. Absolutely, you know. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. And and yeah, we're con- continually wishing you well and hoping that you get every set of all the grand money that you need. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Have a lovely day, Harriet. You too. <laughs> Asante. Ah, yeah.